tonight that's been on my heart this week. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 23. Let's stand together for the reverence of the reading of God's Word and prayer for the message tonight. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Listen to that again. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priest, listen, her priest have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they shown difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. And I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Use this as a thought tonight. I sought for a man that should stand in the gap. Let us pray. Father... God, we just thank you again for this wonderful opportunity to come into your house and to hear your word. Lord, we thank you for the loving testimonies that we've heard today. And God, we thank you for what you've done for us this morning. And we're looking for great things again tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts in a special way. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom, illuminate scripture to our mind. Lord, to where we may preach the Word in truth and in spirit tonight. Lord, I can't do anything without you, and I need your help. In Jesus' name we do ask, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I look at this text tonight, I see that we're in a desperate war with Satan. It's a fair question to ask. Why did God need special men at this time. Why did he need a special man to stand in that gap during the time in which we're speaking of here and the days in which Ezekiel was writing? Let me give you the answer. Look there in Ezekiel 22 and verse number 3. 
you'll find that it was a day of idol worship. The Bible says in verse 20, chapter 22, verse 3, Then say thou, thus saith the Lord God, The city sheddeth blood in the midst of it, that her time may come and maketh idols against herself to defile herself. Not only was it a day of idol worship, but it was also a day of innocent blood being shed. Look at verse number 4. Thou art become guilty in thy blood that thou hast shed, and hast defiled thyself in thine idols which thou hast made, and thou hast caused thy days to draw near, and art come even unto thy years. Therefore have I made thee a reproach unto the heathen, and a mocking to all countries. But also we see that it was a day of deceitfulness. Look at verse 7. In thee have they set light by father and mother. In the midst of thee they dealt by oppression with the stranger. In thee have they vexed the fatherless and the widow. But also it was a day that was despised by, uh, it was a day that they were despising holiness and they were also in a day which was profaning the Lord's day or they were profaning the Lord's day. Look at verse number 8. Thou hast despised mine holy things and hast profaned mine Sabbaths. It was also a day of sexual perversion. Look at verses 10 and 11. In thee have they discovered their father's nakedness. In thee have they humbled her that was set apart for pollution. And one hath committed abomination with his neighbor's wife. And another had lewdly defiled his daughter-in-law. And another in thee hath humbled his sister, his father's daughter. But also it was a day of greed. Look at verse number 12. In thee have they taken gifts to shed blood. Thou hast taken usury and increase, and thou hast greedily gained of thy neighbors by extortion, and hast forgotten me, saith the Lord God. It's a day of greed. It was a day of forgetting the Lord, according to verse 12. It was a day of uncleanness and barrenness, according to verse 24. Look at it again. Son of man... Unto her thou art the land that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation. It was a day when the lines of distinction had been completely erased. It was a day when the preachers had confused holy things. Look at verse 26. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they shown difference between the unclean and clean. And have they hid their eyes from my Sabbath. I am profaned among them. It was a day of political dishonesty. Look at verse 27. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey. To shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. But not only that, and all of these things, and I've got like 13 things listed here. And number 13 has to be the worst. Where verse 28 says, And her prophets have dabbed them 
with untempered mortar. Seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hath not spoken. In other words, it was a day of false prophets. A day of political dishonesty. A day when preachers had confused holy things. A day when the lines of distinction had been erased and you couldn't tell the difference between the godly and the ungodly. A day when they were forgetting the Lord. A day of sexual perversion. A day where holiness was despised and the land was filled with deceitfulness. A day where innocent blood was being shed and a day of idol worship. Excuse me, but it sounds a whole lot like today in which we live. In fact, it's much like what we have here in America today. Each thing that God drew attention to is going on right here in America today. That's why I believe even today God's looking for a man that will make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Not just a man, but He's looking for a woman to stand up for what's right and stand up for godly principles according to thus saith the Word of God. All of these things that we're encountering in the world today, all of these sinful, deceitful things we just read about in Ezekiel's time, it's not something that just happened way back when. It's happening even today. That's why God is saying here, I looked and I searched for a man to stand in the gap, but yet I found no one. I believe God may be looking for some men to stand in the gap. Amen. Throughout the Bible, God has been looking for some to stand in the gap. When the Midianites oppressed the people, God found a man named Gideon. When Pharaoh oppressed the children of Israel, God found a man named Moses. When Goliath stood and defiled the army of Israel, God found a shepherd boy named David. And when David sinned and committed murder, God found a prophet named Nathan to go to him and tell him of his sin. God's always been a-looking and always been appointing men to stand in the gap in the time of need. The fact is, while we're looking for better methods, God's looking for better men. And while we're looking for a new recipe, God's looking for quality ingredients to the old recipe. You see, we don't need a a new Bible. We just need to use the one that we've got. We don't need a a new profound message. Folks, there's nothing new under the sun. We don't need a new profound message. We just need to uh, exercise the messages that are already here. Everybody's looking for a new way. Everybody's looking for a, a new tactic. Everybody's looking for something new uh, uh, to stir up the individual uh, that may be in the congregation. Uh, Folks, listen, if good old-fashioned Holy Ghost God sent preaching uh, and good old-fashioned singing, uh, don't move your heart tonight. uh, My friend, there's nothing else that will and it be real. Amen. Amen. God chose the foolishness of preaching 
to save those uh, that are lost. Amen. Listen, they look upon the preachers as being fools. Uh, They look upon us as being foolish. But God even called it foolish uh, and said the dead call it foolish. Uh, But my friend, once God blowed through my soul uh, and Holy Ghost convicting power got a hold of me, it wasn't so foolish anymore. God used that foolishness to save an old wretched sinner like me uh, and put me where I am today. Looking for a man to stand in the gap. What's the reason God was looking for someone? Why didn't he already have one standing in the gap here in Ezekiel's time? Well, the prophets had sold themselves and they were for sale according to verse 25 and 28. They were being bought off this time. They preached the popular message and they didn't want to hear about God's judgment. They sold out to what God had called them to do. They sold out to, to the holiness that God was leading them to and through. They sold out the gospel message. They sold out to our loving Creator the Lord God Himself. Preachers today, I hate to say it, are selling out. We need some preachers today who are not for sale. I was talking to an individual not too many months ago. And he began to speak and he said, Preacher, we just don't know what to do. I think we're going to have to close the doors. Uh, The giving is just down to nothing. Uh, We've got the people, but we just don't have the giving. I said, well, well, why why don't you preach on tithing? Have you preached on tithing lately? That usually works. He said, well, Preacher... I'm afraid that I'm going to offend somebody and somebody's going to leave if I preach on tithing. I said, that's why you not have nobody tithing. Amen. And boy, he, he didn't like my answer and I was just trying to shoot straight with him and I don't think he's talked to me since. But uh, folks, uh, we've got to preach uh, as called by men and ordained by God, called by God and ordained by God to preach the gospel. We have to preach the truth in its entirety. Amen. Yeah. We just can't uh, tiptoe around the tulips. Uh, we just can't uh, uh, cut around this corner and cut around that corner just because we might uh, be afraid uh, that it's going to offend somebody. Listen, this Bible, hello, this is a news alert tonight. Uh, this Bible is an offensive book. Yeah. It is an offensive book. In other words, it shows me in my life where I am wrong. And also shows me and tells me how to correct it. It's an offensive book. And you know me, I'm not the one to, uh, to, to, to preach on tithing or giving uh, uh, every service or every other service. We might hit two in a row every once in a while, but it ain't going to happen every service. We try to follow the Lord, amen. 
We don't intend to ruffle people's feathers when we're preaching the Word of God. But folks, as long as it's the truth, we can't argue with the Word of God. It's plain in the Scripture and we're to hold to it. Amen. The prophets of God had sold out. We need some preachers that will be not for sale. Preachers who will dare to be a Daniel. Who will dare to make it known that they will not change. Preachers who will preach to this dying nation that Jesus is strong and mighty to save. That there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. The problem was these priests were condoning sin. They say if it's okay, hey, if it feels good, it's okay. Go ahead, do it. They say if that's what your conviction is, uh, then it's okay. Now let me make myself clear tonight. There's nothing wrong with convictions, but make sure your convictions line up with God's Word. Because some people can be plumb really, uh, uh, legalistic. Huh? I know some people like that. Uh, listen, don't shortchange God's grace tonight. Amen. God's grace is good. We're living under God's grace tonight. What we need tonight, some old-fashioned hellfire, shingle-rattling, barn-burning, devil-hating, Jesus-loving preaching. Amen? Amen. <laughs> that just about does the trick. That just about uh, uh, cures the ills. Uh, but in this day and time, the Bible tells us that those prophets uh, weren't giving out the Word of God. The priests weren't leading the people in worship to God. Uh, and the politicians uh, uh, were leading not in the ways of God. And the people are forsaken. Uh, and my friend, they lose their knowledge of God. And they're led down the wrong path. Amen. Sounds a whole lot like today. Somebody said, you know when a politician's lying? Y'all know the answer, right? When he runs his mouth, when he opens it. (laughs) I have to be careful on politics, amen. But what kind of person is God looking for? What kind of person is God uh, looking to uh, call out to, to stand in that gap? I believe he's looking for people of vision. And I got a new word I'm going to throw on you. Volition. V-O-L-I-T-I-O-N. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. We need to have the right vision of God and a right vision for God. Volition, on the other hand, is the power to make the right choice. You and I have choices to make in our lives. We have the power within us to make the right choices according to thus saith the Word of God. We tonight will be held accountable on judgment day. Even you that are saved will be held accountable on judgment day for the decisions that we make. We have the power and the resources with us and within us and the Word of God through the power of prayer to make right decisions. 
Sometimes the decisions are made without consulting God first. At times those decisions are made in haste. And when they're made in haste, a catastrophe sometimes happens. Volition is the power to make the right choice. Volition is showing the evidence of God in the substance that is available to you. Looking for a man of vision. But we also, I believe God's looking for a man of faith and firmness. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. One must have faith and be firm to stand in the gap and to fight the battles. Listen, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a country mile. That was the old saying, and it is true. Give him a little bit, he's going to take a whole mile. You you can't uh, uh, play around with fire and not get burnt. You can't play with fire unless you get danger of being burned. One must have faith and be firm to stand in the gap to fight the battle. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. He doesn't say put on half of it. He said put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Folks, we are living in an evil day. If Satan can take your mind and discourage you, that's what he wants to do tonight. If he wants to turn your children against you, and if we give him a little bit of room, he'll do that. For you that are parents today, moms and dads, don't forget the God-given responsibilities given to you. We are going to be held responsible for the way we raise our children. We're going to be held responsible from the cradle on up through the ages. We're going to be responsible on how we raise them. Amen. Listen, there ain't a whole lot we can do a lot of times when they get older. I know that, especially when they move out from under at the house. But my friend, I'm here to tell you. God's given us a great responsibility. Great responsibility. And I know at times it's something, it seems like that we sit around and we spin our wheels and we try to do all that we can for our children and yet they, 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 they turn a deaf ear to you and they turn a deaf ear to God. And folks, I know that that happens a lot of times. But boy, look back on the years that you've done what you could have done, what you should have done and what you did do. To bring them up the way that they should be brought up. And you can always look back on that. And you can always uh, reminisce on that. 
I can't go back and look at a relationship between me and my father and say he was there to take me fishing for the first time or say that he uh, took me over and taught me how to ride a bicycle or taught me how to drive a car. I cannot say that because there was none. But you and me that have had those father-son relationships, father-daughter relationships, you've got something to look back on tonight. You've got something to look back on and to remember by. Uh, Listen, you look at this preacher and you look at that preacher right there. You look back in our past, you won't find many daddies, will they, brother? And it wasn't because we chose it. Wasn't because we chose it. But God's looking for a man to stand in the gap. Praise God, we might not have had an earthly father growing up, but we got a heavenly father in heaven that looks after us. Amen. I think we turned out pretty good, don't you? Amen. We turned out pretty good, don't you think? Amen. One must have faith and be firm to make up the hedge. You have to have faith to have a vision and you have to be firm to be a person of volition or making that decision that's right. Amen. A man of faith, a man of firmness, a man of integrity. That is something that is few and far between. Anybody notice that in the business world? Especially when you may be having a job priced out to you. You're not quite sure if somebody might be taking advantage of you or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why it's always good to get a hundred estimates, I guess. But you know, some people are just out to get what they can out of you and they don't want to help you. No integrity. Huh? No integrity. Right. I'm glad I see men tonight in our the sound of my voice that's got integrity. That I can trust, amen. I, I believe they can I get the job done when called upon. Listen, that's integrity. Yeah. God's looking for a man with integrity. A man of decision and a man of dependability. Of course, tonight the greatest abilities are availability and dependability. A lot of times people look at their duties or look at the deeds that would need to be done around the church and they would say, well, preacher, we're not able to do this kind of thing. Or we're not able to do that. Or I'm not able to do this. I'm not able tonight to drive a race car, but if I made myself available to someone who had one, then I might could learn how to drive one. Amen. It was like when God was looking for a Moses. Moses said, well, Lord, uh, I can't go talk to that man. I have a speech impediment. I'm paraphrasing the story. I cannot talk plain God. You know I can't go. God said, you go. I'll help you. Make yourself available. And I'll give you the ability. And you see, a lot of times, uh, that's uh, that's what we have to take into consideration tonight. Listen, when I first got saved, I got scared to death the time that I was called on to uh, pray the first time. Yeah. I was like, man, I thought he was going to ask me if I want to do this for it. Here I was standing up there and usher. What am I going to do? 
Well, I'm just going to copy what everybody else said. Can't go wrong there. It's worked so far. I was scared to death. And boy, when I got asked to teach my first Sunday school class, I was too scared to say no. Plus, I wanted to do what God would want me to do. I wanted to be a help. I wanted to be one to stand in the gap and teach somebody something if I could. And uh, a lot of times you just have to make yourself available. And I thank God for some of the folks here that when they get ready to serve, they turn in those papers of what they're interested in doing and they say, anything, preacher, just put me wherever you need me. Man, that's a help. That's a help. Because next time they do that, we're going to put them on bathroom duty. Amen? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. God's looking for a man of patience and perseverance. You see, Nehemiah was building that wall, but he didn't quit. He kept keeping on. Just what if when God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, had that heavy cross. Listen, that wasn't a toothpick He was carrying. It was a heavy piece of tree. Two pieces of wood. As He was carrying up Calvary's hill, what if He just decided to quit halfway up to the top and lay it down and say, Hey, Lord... I don't have to be on that cross to, for you to send them angels to get me. I'm tired of carrying this thing. Will you come get me now? Send them on, Lord. You know what have happened? You and I would be in trouble tonight. Amen. We would have no Savior. But that wasn't God's plan. And that wasn't what was in Christ. You see, David, nobody forced the Savior to get that cross and carry it up that hill and be nailed to it. Amen. The Bible says he willingly laid down his life. Yeah. And he willingly laid down his life for you and for me. And thank God he didn't go halfway through it and say, I don't think I can handle it no more. Right. He carried it all the way to the end. To where we can be saved. Amen. Yeah. I just wish... That we could take a look at our own selves tonight. Make ourselves as available as Jesus made Himself. To where we could further the kingdom of God. With the lives and the availability of the lives that we have here in the sound of my voice tonight. He's looking for a man of patience and perseverance. But He was looking for a man of power and a man of prayer. One sort of like Daniel. Let me read the scripture to you. You don't have to turn there. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 through 13. The Bible says now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. In other words, he's done been told, Daniel, don't be praying. You're not praying to your God. We'll throw you in the lion's den. Then the, these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. 
Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, or except of the king, shall be cast into a den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regarded not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Listen, Daniel continued to pray even though the king said, You can't pray. Listen. Let me speak to those children tonight. You can pray in school. Yes, sir. You can pray in school. There's nothing wrong with you bowing your head at the table and praying before a test or before your meal. There's nothing they can do about it. Been there, done that, done fought that battle with your brother. Tony came in, they called me and they said, Tony's getting in trouble in school. I said, for what? He said, he's passing out tracts, he's carrying his Bible, he's wearing things on his shirt about the Lord, and they're telling him he can't wear it, he can't bring his Bible to school, and that he can't pray. I said, okay. What are we going to do, preacher? I said, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. I called the Christian Law Association, Dr. David Gibbs, and he said, let me send you some information, preacher. And he sent me about 48 pages, I guess it was, of what the law is about prayer, about what the law is about passing out tracts, about what the law is regarding your Bible. And I went up there and I met. I don't even think the school's open anymore. They done closed that Whitlock school down, I believe. But I went up there and I sat down with this uh, uh, principal. It was a lady at the time. I don't even remember what her name was. And I said, ma'am, you mean to tell me you wrote this kid up for passing out tracts and bringing his Bible to school? And then she tried to get all legal with me, you know. I said, ma'am, listen, there's no needing for you doing that. I said, I've got the truth from the attorneys right here if you want to see it. And then I proceeded to tell her what the law was. And the only thing that Tony was doing wrong was he was leaving tracks behind. On tables, in the bathrooms, wherever he would go, he would leave the stalls, leave, leave, the, leave the tracks on the stalls, the tables, wherever. The thing is, he could not legally just leave them behind. That was against the school rules. But there was nothing saying that he couldn't get it. And I don't believe I have one in my pocket. But he would get it. And if he's walking down the hall between classes, he could hand it to an individual into their hand. They couldn't do a thing about it because that's the law. He can do that. He can do that. And he would, he would, then he started doing that. He started walking through the schools and during lunchtime, and he would go and he would hand them to people as he was going to the bathroom, and he would just keep handing them out. And I said, ma'am, he's going to hand out these tracks. That's what in that, what's, what's in that boy's heart. Yeah. 
She said, if he keeps handing them out, I'm going to write him up and we're going to suspend him. I said, no, you won't. I said, this is where the line stops. You can't infringe upon this boy's rights. And we're not going to let you. Well, he don't need to bring that Bible to school. We've got textbooks. I said, ma'am, let me inform you about this law as well. He can read that Bible any time he wants to as long as it's not interfering with his schoolwork. Right. And from what I understand, your teacher, you sure do give out a lot of free time. And when there's free time, he can bring out the Bible. Yeah. And he can read it. Well, he can't be wearing all this stuff on his shirt about Jesus saves and the picture of Christ with the thorns on his head. I said, why not? Because that's showing uh, his religion. I said, ma'am, I just passed two boys walking down the road. Had ACDC on one shirt and the other one had Metallica on his shirt. I said, they're expressing their love. (laughs) Why can't he express his? She said, well, I'll have to turn all this information into our, our district office and let them to decide. I said, do what you want to do, ma'am. I said, but by the way, as standing here being a representative of this family, and they gave me permission uh, to talk to you today on their behalf. I said, that little write-up that you just done for him for having his Bible in his classroom, I said, remove it. It shouldn't be in his record. It's wrong. Well, I'll have to go through the... Uh, the district office and I'll have to talk to the superintendent and I'll have to do this and I'll have to do that. And I said, okay, do what you got to do. But that's not going to follow him. Nothing like that's going to follow this kid. I said, ma'am, I'm here to be as cordial as I can be. Other than him laying those tracks around, he shouldn't have been doing that because the law says you can't in a school. But it does say you can pass them out personally. If they accept it, that's fine. Well, I've never heard of that. I said, ma'am, it's all in the law. Here it is. I still got those stacks of papers today in case it ever pops up. I love Carlisle Foster Grove School, didn't you? Where our kids went to school in elementary. Where you work. I guess I've loved that school because we've never had any of those types of problems from them. Never. And they're always offering uh, the, 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 the good news club after school and wanting to share the Bible with kids. You see, as long as it's after school, not on school hours, nothing you can do. Amen. Nothing you can do. The only thing that they have to, they do have to consider this. If they have like the good news club to uh, 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 talk, you know, to teach the kids the Bible and have their little Bible lessons and so forth. They do have to make available for other religions if they want it. Okay. I didn't see anybody starting any Jehovah Witness club or any Mormon club. And you work there too. It's a good school, isn't it? I hate that Hannah's moving on. Moving on to the next level. But you see, God's looking for people that are standing in the gap. And we don't have to be rebels to stand in the gap. We don't have to be rednecks to stand in the gap. <laughs> Brother John said, but it helps. <laughs> oh, goodness. The thing is, is this, folks, when it comes down to, 
separation of church and state, they can't even define it themselves. They don't know what they can and can't do themselves. There was actually a two-page document that I pulled out at the Wicklaw School. I said, ma'am, is this posted in your library? She said, I've never seen that. What is that? I said, this is your true separation of church and state material. And according to our federal government, every school in America is supposed to have it in their library. Do you not have it? She said, I've never seen it. I said, you're welcome to have this one. You know, we've got more rights than what people let on about. Amen. We've got more rights than what people know about. There's ways. Listen, over at the high school and the other schools, they still, some gather around the old flagpole and pray in the morning. Yeah. The only thing they've done when they took prayer out of school is they are making it impossible for that teacher to stand before their class and lead in prayer. That's what they've done. But there's nothing stopping a child from praying. Matter of fact, some of them tests and studied with sheets I've seen during my lifetime raising these two young ones. I'd be praying for they took them tests. Amen. I want you to stand tonight. I've gone on long enough. Let me remind you that God is still looking for people. Y'all come around and get us a song of invitation. God is still looking for people who will make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Today you need to choose what type of person you're going to be. One who will choose today to be a man who will make up the hedge. Be a woman to make up the hedge. Be that child that stand up for what is right. Will you be one of them? Listen, just because our children are young at age, it doesn't mean that they're stupid. And it doesn't mean that they're ignorant. As a matter of fact, these children are very smart. Very smart. They themselves can be an impact in another little child's life. You never know. And a lot of times you never know the adults that one of those little children will reach. Just by their actions and their words. Father, we love you. Thank you again for this day, Lord, that we come together to celebrate Father's Day. Thank you for this good crowd that's gathered here on this Sunday night service. Lord, I pray that you will minister to us all in a special way. If there be a need amongst anyone here, God, I pray, Lord, that this they would come to an altar of prayer. Where they may pray and ask that that need be met. And God, I pray you'd grant it. Lord, we'll praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name we do ask. Amen.